again, I love the Christmas season. I love the celebration of Christ. I love that we can sing songs that for some reason we don't sing any other time, right? But it's uh, it's a great, great time of year. Listen, I do want to make one connection back to Thanksgiving, though. I have some pictures here that I want you to see. Uh, I think we mentioned here, but our Chesapeake campus of Coastal, uh, back the week of Thanksgiving, hosted a dinner for uh, some Ukrainian refugees. There were a hundred of them that showed up and all of their associated people, sponsors that have them here in the country, uh, people from a Ukrainian association there in Chesapeake. There were nearly 300 people altogether, including about 60 volunteers. And, uh, oh, they are up there, great. Um, it's an amazing opportunity. Our, our uh, pastor, lead pastor at that campus, Andrew Segree, had an opportunity to uh, preach the gospel. Uh, Rachel, who you all know, Lord willing, she'll be back here in a, a few weeks. She's still working on her task that has been asked of her. And, uh, but he, uh, he preached the gospel. She said she counted 12 hands went up when he said, are any of you interested in knowing more about a relationship with Jesus Christ? And so that's an incredible opportunity. So continue to pray. We are one part of a, of a church that God is using in a variety of places. And so I'm super thankful for that. Uh, continue to pray for them. And then one other thing I want to remind you of, I brought it up here so I wouldn't forget. Now I don't know what I do with it. But anyway, the little card that you can uh, hand out for Advent, right? To, to invite people to Christmas Eve in particular. So you know uh, I have... Uh, set a goal in my own heart and mind and in prayer that God will give us 150 people in here that evening, uh, 150 people here on our campus. And so uh, we got a little bit of inviting to do, though we've been getting close to 100 normally, so maybe that won't be as hard as we think. But get them to come, 3 o'clock Christmas Eve here at our campus. Uh, we're going to have a great time and invite your friends. That's sometimes an opportunity that they'll come to that perhaps they otherwise uh, would not. So take advantage of that, all right? So I mentioned earlier during the announcement time that I suspect there are some of you who could use just a little bit of peace right now, right? This is, uh, when we say tis the season to be jolly, it's probably more tis the season to be stressed for a lot of people. There's a lot going on. There are a lot of activities. There's a lot of shopping. There's a lot of prepping and planning for this party or that party to go to. And all of those things add up sometimes rather than to peace, they add up to a bit of a frazzled sense, right? But the end of that reading that was read this morning said, he shall be their peace. It's interesting to me that among all of the things that Jesus came to do, one of them was to be our peace. I love that. Now, for us, uh, in our American understanding of language, we probably think of peace for the most part, as the calming of our circumstances, right? We think of it as uh, there's there's nothing upheaving things, right? We're not having a trouble. We're not having a big hassle about something. Nothing has taken place today to get us out of sorts, so we're at peace. I want you to know that in the scriptures, 
the word for peace is much more comprehensive than that. It's the word that you would probably recognize, have probably heard the word shalom, often used as a greeting by those who speak the language of the, the Jews. It is, a, it is an opportunity to convey something that is way more comprehensive than, I hope you have a nice day, right? I hope your day is peaceful. It, is, it has to do with calming of circumstances, but it's wholeness, it's completeness. In fact, the word is first used in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 6 when an angel shows up to Gideon and says, I want you to go and I want you to fight against the Midianites and I want you to get my people free from the Midianites that have enslaved them again, have uh, overrun them. And once Gideon realizes, other than the fact that this is a horrendous responsibility and he's not sure he can hack it, he realizes that he's talking to the Lord and he says, oh, I have seen the Lord face to face. I'm going to die. And the angel of the Lord looks at him and says, shalom, peace to you. You will not die. That was way more than don't worry, you're going to have a good day, right? That was, you're not going to die today. It's all good. I, you are whole. You are complete. You are in safety. There's harmony. All of those things don't necessarily always come to our mind, right? But that's what this word for peace in the Bible talks about, which makes me want it even more, right? I don't know about you, but man, I, I love the concept of a sense of wholeness, not just the absence of conflict. I mean, that's great. I don't like conflict any more than most people do, but I want to, I love that sense of we're, we're whole, we're complete, we're in safety. There's harmony. So how do we get that? That's the question. So we're eventually going to be in Philippians chapter 4, but I've decided to go back and begin with one other thing. So we're going to talk about three ways in which we need peace today. The first of them is found in Romans chapter 5, and it's peace with God. And it's talking about our position. This is talking about our relationship to God. We can have peace with God. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 6, reads this way. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love to us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we've been justified by his blood, much more we shall be saved by him from the wrath of God. We were enemies of God. And the unfortunate news for you, if you've never trusted in Jesus as your only hope of salvation, is you could write in those words, I am an enemy of God. And you may think to yourself, well, no, I'm not. I have no bitterness. I have no... If I am not 
on the side of God, if I'm not rightly related to God, I am by default his enemy. And if I have trusted in Jesus, and we'll talk about the gospel here in a second, but if I have repented of my sin and believed in the gospel and received Christ, if I've trusted in Jesus as my only hope of salvation, I am no longer an enemy of God. That's incredible, right? It, it is set out as the proof of God's love for us. As we go through this Advent season, we've talked about hope and now peace, and we'll talk about love and so on. We're going to go through the various aspects of what Advent does to help us anticipate the return of Christ. But God didn't just randomly declare peace over everybody, right? Not everyone is at peace with God. So can we back up just a whisker in Romans chapter 5? Verse 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God means I am at rest, I'm complete, I'm whole, I am in a right relationship to God. I can have peace with God. I either get to be his enemy, whether I'm actively fighting against him or not, I'm still not rightly related to him, so I'm his enemy, or I can be at peace with God. We're working backwards in Paul's argument. I'm at peace with him because I have been justified. I've been declared to be righteous. Righteousness is not mine by default. Righteousness is not earned by me doing more good than bad. Righteousness in the sight of God has to come by a judicial declaration. He has to say, he has to look at me and say, I declare him to be righteous. How can God do that? That doesn't even seem fair. Why would God declare me to be righteous when if you knew me well enough, you would know very well I am not. So how is it fair for God? Does he just say, okay, well, I've just decided he's righteous. No. That's why when we talk about the gospel in a more expanded fashion, I always talk about the fact that Jesus lived the perfect life that we could never live. So that when I trust in Christ, God, in his record book, so to speak, applies the perfect righteousness of Jesus to my account and declares me on that basis to be righteous. Is, is that incredible to you? I'm not actually righteous yes, yet, but when God looks at me and looks at my record, he sees the righteousness of Jesus on my account and says, that one is righteous. That's justification. Well, how does that happen? Let's back up just a little more to Romans chapter 4 and verse 22. It's speaking about Abraham. It's a, a discussion about Abraham and how he came to be rightly related to God. And it says, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. If I want peace with God, 
I have to exercise faith in Jesus. I have to respond with faith. Faith is resting myself in something, right? It's not just mentally believing something is true. It's resting my complete confidence and hope in something. In a very minimal way, when you came in today and sat down in this pew or in your spot, you exercised faith. You took your weight off of your legs and rested on that pew, trusting that it would hold you up. Thus far, we're good, right? In an obviously much more significant way, when I trust, when I have faith in Jesus, I am resting in his finished work. Jesus, God the Son, God come in human form, which we celebrate at this time of year, came to earth and we celebrate his birth. He lived a perfect life, never sinned against God. Now, I know, I know, we just can't even imagine. How did he get through the terrible twos without sinning? I don't know. But I know the Bible says he was sinless. He got to adulthood, began his ministry, and it didn't take long for all the religious people and all the people who wanted nothing to do with God to say, well, we want nothing to do with him for sure. And though many people followed after him, finally the crowds were persuaded to say, no, we want him dead. And so he was crucified, suffered on our behalf. And, and of course, we, we remember all of this at Easter when we celebrate the good part, right? The resurrection. He suffered. He died. He went into a tomb, actually dead. And on the third day, literally came back to life again. That's the gospel. How do I exercise faith? How do I get peace with God because of that? I repent of my sin. I turn away from my sin. I believe in the gospel, the truth about Jesus, and I receive him. John 1.12, to as many as received him, he gave the power, the authority to become children of God, to be at peace with God. Once we are at peace with God, then we can begin to experience the peace of God. And for that, you need to be in Philippians chapter 4, where we are giving, given a very interesting challenge. Rejoice in the Lord always, verse 4 says. Again, I will say, Rejoice. i got to come back around to that in a minute, but let me finish reading. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I don't even have to ask if that sounds really inviting to you, right? The kind of peace that will guard my heart and my mind. 
It begins with a command to rejoice. We sang a song that said, sing joy. Rejoicing is determined. It's something I decide to do. A few weeks ago, I mentioned the distinction between happiness and joy, right? Happiness is based on happenings. Happiness is based on my circumstances. Happiness is based on how things are going. I was thinking this through and praying this through this morning, and I thought, Lord, please don't let me have a flat tire on the way to church so I have to prove this to them. <laughs> I had visions of myself. I even left a little extra early just in case, right? Oh, I don't want to have to stand up there and say, see, I'm having joy even though I had a flat tire because I don't know if I really would, right? I, I don't always respond with joy. But we can learn to respond with joy, and we're going to talk about that next week. Next week, we talk about joy and how to, how to understand that Jesus brings joy. Joy is this internal thing that's going on, understanding the glory of God being displayed in my life. And that's why the prophet Habakkuk, back in the Old Testament, could say these words, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vine, though the produce of the olive would fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. So you need to come back next week when we talk about joy, right? Because there is something about experiencing the joy of the Lord in the midst of really bad circumstances. But it kind of starts with this peace of God, right? We have this, this thing that this uncircumstantial joy that's welling up inside of us because of our relationship with Jesus. Verse 5 says, and these are, the, these are the steps from which peace emanates. So we choose to rejoice. We choose to be reasonable. But why in the world is that in there? Because, at least in my mind, I think I'm always reasonable, but I'm honest enough to know that I'm not. Reasonable has to do with expectations, right? Reasonable has to do with relationships. Reasonable is not being unduly rigorous about unimportant matters. You can have an unreasonable argument about which matters are unimportant, right? We need to be reasonable. We need to set our expectations at a reasonable level, not what we think is reasonable, but consistent with reality. Why? Because the Lord is near. I don't think that that means he's coming soon. I think it means he's nearby. He's right here. We can be reasonable. The Lord is with us. He's here. He's near. He's in close proximity. 
so I can be gentle. I can be willing to yield. I can be reasonable. Third thing in verse 6, we are told, do not be anxious about everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, I have taken those first couple of words and put them in your outline as the next point. Don't be anxious. But that's a little bit like saying, don't be human, right? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but pretty much all of us struggle with anxiety. In fact, there are like 40 million people in America that are diagnosed with some sort of anxiety disorder almost annually. Anxiety is huge in our country. So what are we not supposed to do? So let's not, can we not focus on the what you shouldn't do? Because I think that sometimes we're so busy trying not to be anxious that it makes us anxious. Excessive concern about the pressures of life and uncertainty about the future. Listen, we all have a, 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 a clear amount of uncertainty about the future. It's part of being human, right? We don't know what the future holds. We, we all have a certain amount of pressure in life. It's, it's life. Anxiety, giving in to anxiety is allowing an, an excessive concern about that. I know. So, preacher, what's excessive means? Well, if it's bothering you, it's probably excessive, Right? If it's causing you distress, you probably have excessive concern. We should be concerned about things. You have a friend who is sick or a family member who's struggling with something or there's something wrong with a car or things aren't going well at work. You can't just say, oh, whatever, right? Whatever doesn't work in many places in life. We have to be faithful, but we cannot choose to focus on a a futile, here's, here's a description I like of anxiety, the futile, frustrating, debilitating attempt to bear the burdens of life and the future alone. The attempt to bear the burdens of life and the future alone. Which is why the actual challenge is not just don't be anxious. The challenge is stop trying to figure it all out and make your requests through prayer and supplication known to God. Talk to God about it. You're concerned? Talk to God about it. He has given us prayer. I was just talking with someone this morning. You know, how do we, how do we get people committed to come and pray together? And part of the problem is we love to talk about prayer. But we're not always really good at praying. I heard from one of our other lead pastors the other day, we were talking about it, he read somewhere that they have now mapped the mind, some, some Christian psychiatrist or something has mapped the mind, and there is an observable difference. If you spend 19 minutes a day in prayer, you can watch what happens with a person's brain. It remaps things. That's incredible to me. But 19 minutes of prayer, some of you are thinking, good grief, what would I talk about? <laughs> right? That's why it's really valuable to make a prayer list. Because how many people have you seen 
from last Sunday, and, and they said, man, pray with me about this, and you said, I will, and you saw them this morning and avoided them because you thought, oh, I never prayed about that. Stop trying to figure it out. Talk to God about everything with thanksgiving, with a thankful heart. We talked about that all through the Thanksgiving season. Developing a, a thankful heart is a really important thing. So rejoice, be reasonable, talk to God with a thankful heart about the things that are really concerning you the most. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I have officiated at more funerals than I can count. And I can tell you from my own experience and from listening to others that there is a dramatic difference between the funeral of a, an individual who has trusted in Jesus attended by a family that is largely people who've trusted in Jesus. And it is, and the, and the funeral of someone that they're not sure. They're not sure about where this person is, or the people sitting in the room are not certain of where the person is. There's a dramatic difference. I'm back. Did you miss me? And the reason is, in one case, we are confident about the future. We know what's going on with this person, and there is this peace that is beyond our understanding. And I've had person after person say to me, I don't know how a person who doesn't know Jesus gets through something like this. Over and over again, I've heard that. Because the peace of God we're talking about, if we will focus on these other sorts of things, it, it comes to us in ways we just can't explain. Where did that come from? It surpasses understanding and it guards our heart and our mind. Almost like peace is there saying, nope, you are not getting into this one today. Wouldn't you love that? So we can have peace with God, which then can provide for us the peace of God. Then these last couple of verses in this same passage, so, so peace with God has to do with our position. The peace of God has to do with our perspective. This last one has to do with the God of peace, and this is related to his presence Finally, brothers, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. What did we say about anxiety? It's, it's the attempt to deal with the pressures of life and uncertainty of the future alone. But the God of peace can be with me when I think purposefully. Verse 8, 
I can choose my focus. So let me try a little something with you here. I may do this again in the future if I forget that I did it today, but that's okay. I want you to think about anything except a big brown bear right now. No brown bears, no big claws, no fur, right? No big snarling teeth, no brown bears. Think about, you know, no brown bears. Make sure you stop thinking about brown bears. What are you thinking about? Brown bears. When I think purposefully, I learn to think about something other than what I'm trying not to think about. That's why I said that don't be anxious. I should probably have said, go to God, talk to him thankfully about the things that concern you. You can't just turn off anxiety nor any more than you can turn off thinking about a big brown bear when somebody's saying, don't think about a brown bear. What do I do instead? I think on purpose other things. Marcus Aurelius, historical name you're familiar with perhaps, said, such as are your habitual thoughts, such also will be the character of your mind, for the soul is dyed, colored by the thoughts. Or, as Solomon more succinctly put it, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. He gave us some specifics. Well, then what should I think about? If I get to choose, what should I think about? I should think about things that are honorable, things that are, oh, I skipped one, didn't I, already? Whatever is just, not just meaning justice in terms of how we view you know, justice being done, but just meaning things that are true and right, that which has a firm, solid connection to reality, things that are actual. I heard a phrase uh, in a counseling class I took years ago. The professor said, way too many of us spend a dollar's worth of worry on a dime's worth of trouble. We make things out of possibilities, and then we stew about what might happen, right? But if I do this, this might happen. If I don't do this, this might happen. And we're living in the what-ifs of life. Thinking about that which is just true has to do with thinking in reality. What is honorable, that's lofty, that's worthy of reverence. Thinking about what is right, whatever is Pure, whatever is lovely, pleasant, or agreeable, whatever is commendable, a good reputation. If there's any excellence, something worth aspiring to, if there's anything worthy of praise, that which can be applauded, think about these things, contemplate these things, give consideration to these things. I think purposefully, and I live purposefully. I, I learn and receive from people, so I have those who are my mentors who are instructing me, and I learn and I listen to them, but I also watch them. Paul says, what you have heard and seen in me, 
So I have examples that I follow. Practice these things. Aren't you glad that he didn't just say, just do it? He said, practice these things. Make them habits. Develop habits of these things. You trust in Jesus, everything doesn't just automatically fix itself. But now we have the grace of God. We have the peace of God. We have, well, as he puts it, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. It's a result of all of these things we're working on. The God's presence comes. So listen, I don't always give you three thoughts to take home that just wrap up what I just said, but here are those three points again, all right? Do you have peace with God? Listen, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus, you can stop at point one. It is the point you need to think about today. You need to contemplate your relationship to God. Do you have peace with God or are you an enemy of God? And I don't use that word to be harsh. I use that word because we read it in the scriptures. You don't have to remain an enemy of God. That's the good news of the gospel. Just because you are currently that doesn't mean you have to stay that way. You can repent of your sin, believe in the gospel like I talked about it, and receive Christ and have peace with God because God will, in that moment that you do that, will take, will count the sin that is in your life, he will count it as paid for by Jesus at the cross, and he will take the righteousness that Jesus lived on this in this life, and he will apply it to your account. And he will say, there's another one that I declare to be righteous. That can happen today. If you're here today, if you're listening from home, and that's never happened in your life, man, let us have the, the privilege, the joy of talking to you about that today. We would love to be part of seeing you be at peace with God. Secondly, are you resting in the peace of God? Sometimes we got to quit fighting. What, what do they do when a person is being rescued in water? They tell them, stop flailing so they can bring them to shore. Sometimes we need to just stop flailing and rest in the peace of God? And are you enjoying the presence of the God of peace? It, it's a package deal, right? It all fits together. We can have peace in a hectic season. We can have peace when, when the doctor calls with news that we wish he didn't say. We can have peace when there's difficulty in a relationship with our job that we thought was secure is now all of a sudden not there. I can have peace because Jesus came to be our peace. What an incredible thing, right? Listen, I'm going to pray. Uh, after I do, we're going to sing together and sing our way uh, out of here this morning. But I want you to know there are people up here that are going to be under the uh, speakers up next to the tree over here that would love to pray with you. So if you are here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus or you're still not sure you fully understand what that means, man, come and talk to them. They would love to talk to you about it. Or perhaps there's just some area of your life you're like, man, I just need some peace in this particular thing. Would you pray with me today? They would love to do that just to bring some encouragement your way. All right?
Listen, thanks so much for being here. I hope that you'll be free and willing to come back this evening. We're going to look forward to it, but for right now, I'm going to pray. Father, I'm really, really thankful today that you sent Jesus as our peace. We acknowledge to you that we don't always rest in his peace. We, we recognize that we uh, often fall short and try and handle the pressures of life and the future alone when we don't have to. And I pray that you would encourage our hearts today as we think about that. I pray for the one or more that might be here or might be listening that's never received Christ, that's never trusted and believed in the gospel, Lord. I pray that you would challenge them uh, to notify us, let us know so that we can communicate with them and, and talk to them about their need and their desire to trust in Jesus. Thank you so much for who you are, for what you've accomplished for us through Jesus, in whose name we pray.